What up, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my Splash Bro, and my co-host, Zach. My guy, we came off a gutsy win against the Lakers and Super Bowl 56 happening tomorrow. I mean, off topic, but who you got? Who you got? Uh, I got the Rams in a close one. Um, Oh, I got the Bengals. I got Bengals. I like the Bengals underdog story, but... The Rams defensive line versus the Bengals offensive line will be a key matchup. And I think the Rams defensive line will absolutely torch the Bengals offensive line. Or I agree with that. I agree and with that. When you have guys like Anthony or not Anthony, Aaron Donald and Von Miller coming off the edge, it's going to be a nightmare for Joe Burrow. Let's just put it that way. Um, and then Cooper then, Cup is going to abuse Eli Apple. Cooper Cup. I, I just think the Rams offensively have a better matchup going up against the Bengals defense than the Bengals do going up against the Rams defense. For example, Jamar Chase is going to have to line up with Jalen Ramsey. And I don't think Jamar Chase has had a difficult matchup. Throughout his career, I obviously don't know who the Bengals played throughout the year. Um, but I think Jalen Ramsey will be in lockstep with Jamar Chase all game long. And I got to rock with my guy, Matthew Stafford, Super Bowl MVP, gets his ring. And then he gets to thank the city of Detroit in a Super Bowl speech, which he doesn't need to do, but be a cool moment. It's the closest um, Detroit's ever going to be to a Super Bowl. No that's offense. Not, that's not. That's not funny. That won't. Be happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> in 2020 and 2025, the Lions will be in. In at, in 2025, the Lions will be in the Super Bowl. Put it that way. Hey, we have the receipts now. Uh, in episode 75, uh, my co-host is. Uh, hey, I said for I, a Super I, I, Bowl. I, I said it last year at the, during the Super Bowl. I said they'd be there in 2025. Most All not right. most likely not with Jared Goff, but got Bryce Young, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter. Three years the, away. Three years away. They got it in. I'm just saying, man. The future is bright in Detroit, and it's 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 probably the brightest it has been in a while. Um, and it, I'm, it, I'm excited happy. to be a Detroit Lions fan. I'm Should happy. Excited. For, I'm happy for Matthew Stafford, and. Detroit Lions are looking up, and the whole, the all four sports team in Detroit are looking up right now. They're going in the right direction. Um, yeah, Detroit but, needs a W. Been too much yeah. suffering in that city. Jesus, left and right with the punches, man. I'm sorry, <laughs> but the Rams, the Rams will win by a final score of thirty-one to twenty. I got the Bengals 27-24. Got the close one. I, yeah. got, I, I think it's close through three quarters, and then the Rams pull away, get a touchdown late. I just want a good Super Bowl. That's all I want. I don't yeah, want to blow year, out. Last year was a yeah. blowout. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a close one with Mahomes and Brady, but ah, too bad. Yeah. All right. But so um, moving on from – Book it. Yeah, I, I won yeah. bet Rams money line. 
<laughs> I did bet uh, the not not bet, but like uh, if I were to bet, um, Bengals money line would be interesting. But an underdog. That's true. But moving on to Warriors, um, a little bit of a shaky past three games. Um, the Jazz and Knicks game were kind of like the same story. Uh, you got the rebounding, which was an issue uh, with Hassan Whiteside dominating the paint and the rebounding glass. And you got in the next game, you got Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson combining for like 27 rebounds um, combined. So, I mean, what did you think about both of those games? I feel like that presence of a big, I mean, with just Hassan Whiteside and Mitchell Robinson, I can't comprehend how awful it's going to look later on if they go up against like DeAndre Ayton or some other guy who has some other bigs in this um, playoff tier teams. Like, what did you think of that? Um, To have Hassan Whiteside cook you in the paint, uh, that's a little bit worrisome. Um, And that's not me bashing on Hassan Whiteside because I think Hassan Whiteside is a very good serviceable, big, a very good role player. But the way with the Warriors started that game where they started 8-0, I'm pretty damn sure, on the road. And then... It was, it was a close game. And then the rails, the wheels just fell off the train in the second half. And once again, presents the need for a big man. But now that the trade deadline has passed, which we'll get into, and the Warriors did nothing, will they look to the buyout market? That's the question. Um, but overall, what all three of these games have in common is the opposing team getting an extreme amount of offensive rebounds. Yeah. The next game, it was like 16 to five. It was like something ridiculous like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like the effort hasn't been there because we've seen like, I know the Warriors make it a team effort to all five of them get the rebound, but for some reason, there's always that one guy or something like that shown in the Lakers game. Um, where Malik Monk got an offensive rebound and there were like three guys standing there. So, I mean, is it worrisome? Yes, but I feel like obviously without Draymond, obviously there's going to be holes in that rebounding department. So we have to see what it looks like when Draymond comes back. If those Draymond, issues, it, it seems like there's no accountability on defense at all. I agree with you. I agree with you. Draymond's I, the guy who will scream at you, swear at you to get back on defense and to play defense. And it seems like in the Lakers game tonight, there was, it, it was a lot of back cuts, a lot of easy back cuts for the Lakers. Just in all three of these games, it's just lazy defense, not boxing out one, not, um, damn it. The rotations aren't there. The defensive rotations exactly. aren't there. Um, obviously Draymond's the, the heart of defense and he directs traffic on defense. We've seen that. And obviously his presence has, has been felt these past 20 games, but I feel like, like the fundamental shouldn't be, I guess, like, I don't know, shouldn't be such a problem for this Warriors team. Like boxing out, like you said, I mean, shouldn't offensive rebound should not be an issue, but since they don't have size, since they have, don't, don't have dream on. Yeah. It's going to be an issue. Um, I want to talk about the defensive rotations too. Um, the Warriors should have known going into this game that there's not a lot of shooting on this Lakers team. Uh, they had the Lakers at a starting lineup and they are two non-shooters and they decide to go into a zone, which kind of confused me because if you just leave someone open, like just leave 
you don't have to double uh, Westbrook. You don't have to double Stanley Johnson. All you got to do is leave them open and just take that. Sh- let them take the shot, and if they make it, that's kudos on them. But like, um, well, it's not the it's not the Warriors' fault that THT looks like an actual first round pick tonight. That's true. That's true. And Malik Monk, who I think is a very underrated player, is. If you look at the current Lakers roster, and I get it, they're a super team, and they should be called a super team because that's what they are. Um, I think Malik Monk is probably one of their best players, and he showed it tonight, shooting lights out from the three. And in the second quarter, the Lakers just couldn't miss. So, one, that's probably partly because of the Warriors' lack of effort defensively, but two – what can you do if it, the opposing team just can't miss and they're shooting lights out? Yeah, like it, it, was, it seemed like like ridiculous. Like it was like sixty percent of three at one point. It was something yeah. ridiculous like that. Uh, but the fourth quarter was all about Clay Thompson. Um, he had sixteen and he had sixteen in the fourth quarter. It felt like Game Six, Clay all over again with his shots, and it's great to see him back. I mean, obviously we've said that many times, but to see him hitting those shots in big moments, it's just amazing to see um he was pretty clutch he was clutched down the stretch uh obviously Steph had to hit a huge floater game tonight obviously his three wasn't dropping tonight but I don't know with Steph um he had a great game like with the playmaking and all that it was close to a triple double he had but um his shooting numbers I'm not too worried about but it feels like he's not really hunting his shots anymore. I feel like he wants everyone involved, which is a good thing. He's playing more of the, the Draymond role in this team, especially without Draymond. So, uh, okay. So the fourth quarter was all about Clay Thompson and his 60 point performance. I mean, it kind of reminded me of game six clay all over again. So like, um, how did you feel seeing clay hit three after three in clutch moments all over again? Kind of gave you deja vu, right? Yeah. Hyped. I was screaming. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, he was on another level tonight. 16 points in the fourth quarter. He's on fire down the stretch. Um, he really, I think probably the thing that has caught me off guard the most is how he doesn't look like he's had any lost problems. a step. Yeah, like had, hasn't had lost any problems step. getting back into rhythm. I mean, there's been some games where he's shot poorly, but besides that, he's been lights out. Yeah, it's been great to see that. And it kind of, we missed that. And, but um, obviously, Steph um, wasn't a, I mean, it was a good performance, but obviously people expect like, like, like insane stuff out of him. Um, obviously, he didn't shoot, he didn't shoot the ball well from three, but his floater game was really good. He made, Good plays he's hesitating on, again. He's being passive. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, he he's isn't really only, hunting his shots, too. I think he only there was a stat where he only shot the ball like three times in the second half or something like that. Yeah. He's trying to be a playmaker. And I understand that he does he doesn't need to shoot the ball to be helpful for the Warriors, to be a contributor for the Warriors. But he's the greatest shooter of all time. Just shoot the damn ball i'm i'm not gonna be mad um but he did have that fourth quarter where 
late in the fourth where he uh, had a key layup. Um, yeah, taught Austin Reeves a little bit of a lesson and took it down the lane and laid it up and in. So, yeah. And what about Jonathan Kaminga? The guy is Jonathan. unreal. His physicality is unmatched. I mean, going at LeBron um, on defense and offense is really impressive as a rookie. Um, it's just Jeez. like, it's nuts. He's the second coming of Giannis. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> he's uh, he's going to be a star in this league. And it, I think I'm the one who... Gotta make sure I get this right. But I was the one who was in favor of trading the two picks. I think everyone kind of had uh, wanted to. But now that the number seven pick has turned into Jonathan Kaminga, who is has been contributing and getting big time minutes and has not looked tonight he was guarding LeBron James. And he was doing a damn good job of it at some points. He forced a turnover with what I saw. Um, he's he's going to be special. His athleticism, where he had that uh, dunk in the first quarter. <laughs> that is unreal. And Steve Kerr said uh, he solidified his spot in the playoff rotation. And I feel like he earned it. He showed why he deserved those minutes and that. He's going to be in big moments. That's why Steve Kerr put him on LeBron um, yep. instead of Wiggins on LeBron early. So um, love to see that out of the rookie. Um, he didn't back down. Like, yep, exactly. Um, back down, baby. No I also want to talk down. about, I also want to talk about like the three guard lineup late in the fourth. Um, what do you like? Do you like that at all or no? Like the three uh, Steph lineup. Clay. Yeah. The Steph Clay pool. Porter and who else? I mean, Wiggins. I don't, I, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it, but when you're going up a team who has a bigger size advantage, not in favor of it, but that gives the Warriors. I think the three guard lineup gives the Warriors an advantage offensively. I think defensively it can be a little bit of a liability, um, but as it showed last year down the stretch small ball lineups won them games so but i think that lineup only works with draymond exactly. it only works it only but works with I'm draymond then small ball lineup will work and then eventually when you incorporate james wiseman who's going to be like the missing piece to the championship contender it'll all work all right, <laughs> let's get a little ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> we have I'm to just, see first. I'm just, I'm just spreading the Joe like a propaganda. It's part of my job. I mean, Wiseman's potential is there. Um, we just have to see what um, he can do. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be impactful saying. in the playoffs. I'm just saying, but, with the way okay. Lamelo has looked, Lamelo, Clay, and Steph would have worked. <laughs> that would have worked. And I understand the, where the Warriors are coming from with picking James Wiseman because he's the center for the future and he fits the lineup need. But I'm just saying LaMelo Ball would have worked with Stephen Clay. It, it would have been fun. It would have been fun. It but, worked. Obviously, but obviously there's no point of um, going back. It already happened. You can't really do anything about it. 
Yeah. Just like you so, can't do anything about the Sacramento Kings and their problems. Yeah. Okay. We can go over the trade deadline talks. Uh, um, obviously the Warriors didn't make any moves and they're probably going to focus on the buyout market, but um, what trade surprised you the most? I think I already know your answer, but I think I want to ask, but like, what was your um, surprise trade? There's probably, a bunch of trades that happened. I'd probably see the Sacramento one, and then I'd probably go with the Ben Simmons and James Harden trade. I knew that type of that type of trade would happen. I knew James Harden has an attitude. Both the guys have attitude problems, but the James Harden was not happy in Brooklyn for some reason, and. If we're looking at winners from that trade, I think both teams benefit. The Nets get another shooter in Seth Curry. They get more size than Andre Drummond. When Ben Simmons comes, he'll play a... The Draymond role. Yeah, Draymond, Magic Johnson type role. He's just distributing the ball, playing defense, um, and is not needed to shoot. Um, I don't know if he's worked on his jumper or not, but... uh, And then they get two first-round picks for a 33-year-old James Harden, so... I, I think personally the Nets win that trade. Um, everyone has their opinion, but I think the Nets win that trade hands down. I think we'll have to wait and see, but I think Joel Embiid and James Harden is a, a little bit fishy for me because I think both those guys need the ball in their hands during crunch time. And when you have two guys who need the ball, well, there can be some chemistry problems there. Same I mean, that pick, that pick and roll experience. could be nasty. That pick and roll could be nasty, though. It is true. Um, but I think probably the Nets win that trade. That's my opinion. They shouldn't have traded for James Harden in the first place. I'm going to exactly. tell you that. Exactly. They had Jared they Allen, they had Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. They basically yeah. swapped those two for basically Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, which I yep. think is a little downgrade, but... It's basically the same team from like two years ago. Exactly. But when you think about a lineup with Kyrie, Ben Simmons, James, or Kevin Durant, um, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond or Nick Claxton, that's a pretty solid lineup, if you're asking me. That's really good. If you if Joe Harris comes back healthy and comes off the bench, you've got another. And then you have Seth Curry coming off the bench. You have two good shooters. Um, so I think the Nets probably win that trade. And I think coming from my viewpoint, I think it's probably because of the draft capital they got as well. Um, and then moving to the second trade this is one, I think probably surprised me the close most to home. close to home because I just don't understand what the Kings were thinking at first you trade Tyrese Halliburton and, and buddy healed and buddy healed. For uh, for Duantes Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and I think one of the Holiday brothers. I forgot yeah, who Justin was. Holiday. Tyrese Halliburton had made a pledge in weeks prior that he wanted to be in Sacramento. He wanted to fix what was happening in Sacramento. He wanted to be a part of it. He was given the Steph Curry like tweet. Fans were all going to going to figure this out and we're going to be better than expected and then look nine years ten years later since he sent that tweet he's got three championships so um 
I just don't understand why you get rid of a guy who's pledging to be in Sacramento to help change the culture and fix everything. And also who fell into your lap in the draft. He wasn't supposed to be there at number 12. The Warriors were high on him heading into that draft. Multiple other teams were high on him heading into that draft. He was, he was a fall. He was just right there at number 12. Just fell to should have been a, it should have been a top five pick, honestly. And you deal him for DeMontis Sabonis, who I understand still a young player. He's 27, I think, 26. Um, I just don't understand why you give up a franchise player like that. De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton were the players you were supposed to build the, the franchise around, not trade but, one of them. If I, I want to say if I was going to trade one of them, I would have traded De'Aaron Fox before I would have traded Tyrese Halliburton. I do want to say this though. I feel like both their play styles don't work with one another. Both. I, I, do you disagree? Do you agree with that? Or I feel like that's my opinion, but I feel like both of them don't work together because both of them are both on ball players. De'Aaron Fox needs the ball. Ball. Sorry for the voice crack, but uh, De'Aaron Fox needs the ball more, and Tyrese needs the ball more because he's more of the the facilitator on the team. So I don't think it would have worked in the long run, in my opinion. But I don't know. Do you? Do you? What do you think about that? I think I still think it would have worked, honestly. So. The Kings just have so many problems. I don't understand why they drafted Davion Mitchell last year and that when they already had two guards. Um, I think that they probably got rid of Halliburton because Halliburton said that he wanted to stay in Sacramento, and they're like, oh, whoa, whoa there, pal. You're taking that too far, and they <laughs> got rid of him. But I think in the, long, in the short run, I think it'll work out for the Kings. They're already 2-0 with Devonta Sabonis and Darren Fox who have a little bit of a chemistry so far. Um, but I, I mean, think... I think their goal is for instant, like, short-term success. I feel exactly. like that's their goal. And I think um, it could work. Honestly, they're like, what, a game and a half out of the 10th seed? I mean, it's possible for them to make the play-in, but I feel like they're going to be like that, the Phoenix Suns in the bubble where they went 8-0. and and carry that momentum into next season, I feel like they could kind of mirror that. Um, yeah. Do you see that happening? I feel like they could do that um, with the next couple, next next year or so. Yeah. But they still I, have so many problems, like you said. I, first thing that needs to happen is that the owner needs to sell the team, um, but that won't be happening. Who's the owner again? Is it Divock? Uh, no, Vladi Divac was the GM who was oh. fired, and I'm not going to use that language, but who was the idiot who passed on both Trey Young and Luka Doncic, by the way, um, and drafted Marvin Bagley instead. And then two he years, got shipped. And then two <laughs> years later, the Kings traded Marvin Bagley to Sacramento for Trey Lyles. That's how much Marvin Bagley was worth. Um, but they got a lot of problems in Sacramento. I think they they really have to find a sh- a small forward. Um, Harry B is a great player, a good role player, but I feel like there's ways to improve there. Obviously, you got the bench unit for the Sacramento Kings. When you lose Buddy Heald, obviously that's going to take a hit, but I feel like they have to find something somewhere. Um, I don't think 
there's enough firepower in that second unit to carry them and they anywhere. Have, they, overall, they just have enough talent to be a playing team. They know, do. For them not. There's enough talent on that roster to be a playing team. Just yeah, I think. There. Yeah, you lock in the Fox a bonus duo for a, for a while, and who knows? You could bring you bring I like you said you texted me earlier. Like they bring some eyes into Sacramento, get free agents interested to playing with Fox and Sabonis, and who knows? Sacramento could be making a name for themselves later exactly. on. Exactly, and I think overall making these moves, even though it didn't seem popular with the fan base, is that if Sabonis and Fox. Others, they have success. They start winning games. That attracts more fans back to the arena, which their attendance has been at. It's been all right. It's been all right. It's not a lot of people. Yeah, it's not a lot of people. Um, But when you start winning games, the attendance will go up. The organization will make more money. Um, that's I think that's a good starting point for the Kings. I just I want don't to, want to point something out once you're done. Of blowing it up again, even though that may have to happen. I do want to point something out. Why does this situation kind of mirror the Monte and Steph thing, where the Warriors uh, threw, I guess they traded away the fan favorite in Monte Ellis at the time, and they kept Steph Curry, who is an uncertain player at the time. Kind of seemed kind of similar. Do you do you see the similarity a little bit, or is it just I see me? the similarity a bit? Um, yeah. They traded for a big who was like, um, it wasn't injury prone. It was, I don't know if Sabonis is injury prone, but Bogut was definitely injury prone. But it is very similar. Very similar. Just want to point that out. I mean, do the Kings win some championships in future years now? Because Probably not. It's just like the, I mean, DeMontis uh, Sabonis is, I think, um, I'm not going to compare to compare him to Andrew Bogut because they're two different players, but I do see the similarity, and I think Kings just have a. There's just so many teams in the league that have a lot of problems to fix, and I think the Kings. May have made the right decision. Who knows? It was a risky yeah. decision, but yeah, it's. I think both teams got what they wanted. Yeah, I think they did. Pacers got a young duo. I think the Pacers probably. I think that with the Pacers wanting to blow it up, I think they got a good start to their rebuild. Yeah, they got Buddy Hill too. I mean. Obviously, Buddy Buddy Hield hasn't been playing great as as of late, but but if the Kings still... start to have some short term success, I think the King I may edge towards the Kings winning that trade. But I think overall, in the long run, I think Pacers probably won that trade with Halliburton's upside and the player he can become. But I think that's a general consensus amongst um, NBA Twitter. It was a risky move. That's for damn yeah. sure. Um, another trade that happened, CJ McCollum to the Pelicans. Um, yeah, that's I knew, just random. Yeah, that, that seemed very random, but I feel like that I feel like that deal was coming to an end. It kind of felt inevitable, but I wasn't expecting the Pelicans. Well, I think the Pelicans are trying to go. <laughs> it's gonna 
I'm not gonna. I was gonna say the Pelicans are trying to go all in. Yeah, they're a damn playing team, though. Um, I think. I mean, Zion's not playing, so. They, I think the Pelicans realize that they're currently in a playing spot. They need some more talent, more help. Um, I don't think Zion will play another game for them uh, ever again. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Don't see it happening. Um, and time to trade for CJ McCollum. And I think the Blazers did not conduct any of the trades that they made at the trade deadline well. I don't think they they got for, fleeced. They, for the Norman Norman Powell and uh, Robert Covington, Covington trade, that was a fleece and a half. It was a heist. That was a heist. They they got robbed, and I think they're try, they're noticing that they have a good young star and Anthony Simons, who I think they should build around, and they just decided to. They should have blown it up years ago, but I think it's better to do it now than later. And I think that this basically confirms that Dame is gone during the offseason. Well, he's um, still like under like a three-year deal or something, isn't he? Yeah, well, Would it have to be saying. like a trade? There's I don't probably, know. It's gone. He's probably getting traded. Yeah. Probably getting traded to the... Like the, Knicks. Said, the, Knicks. the Knicks. The Knicks. And the Knicks shouldn't be this bad either. Neither should the Hawks. So, I mean, everything's surprising, especially in the East. Like, there's like one through eight. It's like, like literally, like two games, like separate each team in one through eight. So it's gonna be a blood. It's gonna be a bloodbath. Um, last trade that kind of interested me was the Porzingis trade. Um, I think it was like Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie. But like, what did you think of that? I feel like Washington came out with a W on that. Um, they got. They got rid of Dinwiddie. They got rid of uh, Bertans. They got a big in Porzingis, who they needed. Um, but like, I feel like the, I feel like the Mavs got the short end on that, in my opinion. And it was just two guys. It was just two teams getting rid of guys who are inconsistent, who are on big time contracts. It seemed like. Um, but. Yeah, I'd probably say the Wizards probably won that, if we're being yeah. honest. I think even though that they're getting Chris Stapps Porzingis, who feels Pingus, like Pingus. doesn't see the court at all, he's injury prone. Um, I mean, Bradley Beal's out for the season, so I mean... Bradley Beal's probably out of there. No, he's he's going to pull a dam and say he didn't want to run from the grind. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's not it's it's not see that's the thing with the nba now i don't have any problem with players being loyal but if you're in a bad situation just request to tr- a trade just to get out of there man steph see this is what warriors fans seem to be thankful for there's so much drama around the league within locker rooms and requesting trades and not liking where you are when you draft guys like Steph Clay and Draymond and you develop them, that's called what we call homegrown talents. And Warriors fans should be thankful that Steph Clay, Draymond all love each other and they play together. They mesh, they have chemistry. We won three championships. Not one of them has complained. 
not one. Warriors fans should be thankful for that because you got teams all over the – the only drama the Warriors have really had in recent memory is probably Kevin Durant's exit. Um, but I do overall, I do respect the loyal superstars. I respect, for example, Matthew Stafford sticking it out for 13 years in Detroit, even though – and not requesting a trade or anything. I respect the, I respect the grind. Respect being loyal, but sometimes you just gotta request a trade to get out of there, man. Like it's hard. It, you never see that these days anymore. You're in a bad situation. You just need to go. I respect it. If you have so much talent, that's why the James Harden trade kind of uh, confuses me because James Harden literally had like the most perfect situation. Exactly. Obviously, the whole KD stuff obviously hurt that, but I mean, you're still title contenders with those three on the same floor, and they only played 16 games together. So I, I don't. It's probably one of the biggest colossal failures for a superstar team or a super, big three. Yeah, for I don't. Three. I have never seen a failure like that. Never in my life have I seen that. <laughs> I mean, where. You had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, um, James Harden, James Oklahoma Harden. City. That worked out. They made the finals. They were a contender. Um, but they Clay, blew it up. Yeah. They blew it up. Steph Clay and Draymond, they've obviously had their success. Uh, LeBron, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, they had their success. But there's been nothing like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's it, It's easily the biggest failure I've seen out of a Big super team, big three, without a doubt. Because when that trade was when that trade was made last year, everyone thought it was wraps. The Nets are winning the finals; it's over. It'll be the Nets and the Lakers, and then injuries happen, and it all goes downhill from there. But I mean, it's it takes a little bit of luck. Um, Injuries happen, matchups. I think those two play a key factor in where championships are won. Um, last thing before we end uh, episode 75, there's the buyout market for the Warriors. Um, there's two names I like. I mean, well, one and then one that's a source or something. Robin Lopez. I feel like we've talked about it, but what do you think of Robin Lopez on this team, on the Warriors team? Uh, culture fit seems like. Um, and a guy is over, and a guy is over six foot ten. So, get us rebounds. Yeah, he fits the two uh, needs. For the and Warriors. his hook shot is automatic, kind of like Sean Livingston's uh, mid range. I don't even shoot the ball. I just, need to, I just need to play defense and rebound. That's all. Then we're yeah. set. And then there were reports of Goran Dragic making, uh, being bought out and being, um, what do you call it? Um, touted i don't know if that's the right word or lured by the warriors um what do you think about gordon Dragic i don't understand on this team? that honestly me neither <laughs> warriors have the warriors have jordan pool and jordan pool who is a backup backup point guard staff playmaker gordon Dragic is going to be playing that exact same role i just i mean you could switch jordan pool to the two and have gordon Dragic come in as a backup point guard but I just don't understand the interest when you're in need of a big 
I don't I agree with that. I mean, it, who would you cut? I mean, it would be Bailey's probably the prime or the candidate that you cut. But that would be bad though, because we're cutting a big for another guard. If that were to happen, it's just not good. Yeah, that's why you cut Bellyford to sign Robin Lopez. That's what should happen. I agree with that. That's what should happen. Now to conclude episode number 75 of the Catching Dub podcast. Appreciate all y'all for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Catching Dubs Pod and on Twitter at Dubs Pod and on TikTok at Catching Dubs Pod. And we'll catch you in the next one. Let's go, Rams. Yes, sir. Let's go, Bengals. Let's go, Bengals.